Noah Alvarez here, and I got a question for y'all. How many of y'all love a cup of coffee, but are tired of the same old coffees that you get at the grocery store or at your local market, right? You're looking for something a little bit more fresh. You don't have to be a coffee snob to admit that you want something a little bit more fresh. Well, look no further than Fruit of the Bean Coffee. You can look up at their website, fruitofthebean.com, and you can find a variety of great different coffees from single origin coffees that originate from South and Central America, Africa, and Asia, or their supercharged breakfast blend. They have a variety of different coffees to offer you, and their mission is to offer you the most fresh, freshest coffee in the entire industry. Lucky for you, during these next couple months, the Fruit of the Bean Coffee will be offering 20% off on their coffee stimulus package to help with the current financial environment of COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic. That's 20% off on a coffee stimulus package. Be sure to go check them out at fruitofthebean.com and you won't regret it. So go ahead and go get your fresh coffee. What's good, everybody? Noah Alvarez here, and you are tuned into another episode of the My Mike and I podcast, episode 102. So shout out to all the listeners for sticking in, whether you're a day one listener or you're someone relatively new to the show. I appreciate you guys for hopping on and listening to the My Mike and I podcast. Did want to shout out really briefly, Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the background. You can check out more of his work at soundcloud.com slash generic sports. Also, he's on Instagram, Twitter, and go look up his band camp. Just search up Generic Sports. Go support your local producer. Also, shout out to my man Vince Correa for designing the My Mike and I logo that you're seeing in your screen. He also helps out a ton with the Instagram page at my period Mike and period I. One more time, that's at my period Mike and period I. If you're not following already on Instagram, you're missing out. I'm trying to become one of the more fun podcast pages to follow on the Instagram platform. So yeah, be sure to go give me a follow. And if you want to follow me on Twitter for a lot of great sports takes and some other takes of whatever I want to tweet about from time to time, follow me at underscore Noah Alvarez. Now, did want to get into this one uh, this week's intro a little bit quicker because it's a rel- it's a little longer of an episode. It's a little longer of a conversation that I have with this week's guest. But it's a fun one. Did want to say that we are going to have some draft content coming out because NFL draft just happened, baby. And I'm recording this after first round. And I've got to say I'm pretty bummed. But I'm going to save my feelings for next week's podcast. And we'll have a few different guests on to talk about the draft reactions. And if you want to know a little bit more about uh, the draft, too, be sure to hit up LockerRoomSportsCA.com. It's a website that my friend Max, uh, who I've been on his podcast, Rocks in the Outfield, and Carl... Uh, He's also part of that podcast as well. All three of us basically put together this website. We're starting to get more writers. If you're interested in writing, it doesn't have to be about sports. But right now we're trying to stick to mostly sports. If you want to blog about something else, we definitely are looking for that in the future, especially in this near future with COVID-19 shutting down all sports as of the time being. It's pretty cool, though, the NFL draft was able to happen via this digital platform over Zoom meetings and whatnot. Still... Uh, pretty upset about round one, but we're going to save that for next week. This week's show, we have none other than Devontae Bennett. Now, Devontae, I had the luxury of meeting him in high school. He graduated a year before me, but he was actually really young for his grade. He's actually a 1994 baby, just like myself. Shout out to all the 94 babies. <laughs> He's a host, CEO, founder of Father to Father podcast, as well as Bennett Gang Productions. Be sure to go check those out on Instagram. Father to Father is a really good podcast, too. We talk about that a lot in the beginning, 
but we also talk about his military background, the other things he has going on, and it's a really fun conversation. So without further ado, hope you enjoy the conversation between Devante and myself. Hey, so how did you how did you come up with the idea for Father to Father, the podcast? Oh uh, man, so it's the story is funny because it came from, as most things do, a really tragic situation. So me and my wife at the time, uh, we were going through it. It was just before, I believe, our seventh. Nah, it might have been just before just before our six-year anniversary, I think. Um, right before we had our our baby, um, our newborn baby, uh, we were just going through it. We were fighting back and forth. At the time, I had just started smoking about six months prior. I lost my job. Uh, I was back in school, though. So, you know, we were getting paid. We weren't worried about money. But it was just, it was a stressful time. So we were going through, I, I want to say it was like a good three or four arguments or whatever. And I have, uh, I have depression. I've been diagnosed with it or whatever, but it's not, it's not really something that like ever bothers me. But at that time I had a couple, I was going through, uh, I guess a suicide, suicidal spit. So I was calling the, um, the Veterans Health Center uh, getting, just, you know, talking it out, trying to talk to somebody and whatnot and get it out. And like I said, at the time I started smoking weed. So upon smoking and a long meditation after all martial arts, this is at like one o'clock in the morning on a Friday after it was sometime in December, like right either. I can't remember if it was before or after Christmas. I was having a bunch of just revelations and I sat there and I had meditated for, I think about 30, 45 minutes. And it came to me. It was like father to father. Like, that's all I remember hearing was father to father. Yeah. It was like, huh, that's, you know, okay. Started running with it. So it, it started developing. I mean, from there, it, it started with, I kind of didn't know what to do with it. I, it was just that, you know, I got the name and more, more ideas started coming to me. It was like, okay, as men, we don't talk. Because I, I would realize that from, for me, I had my first kid at, what 18 18 mm-hmm. yeah 18 I turned 19 so I was already already in the military but you know no one else had kids so all my friends can't hang out with them can't, can't I'm not seeing people I'm not hanging out I'm not social my mental health is going down and I started realizing it was mainly because I didn't have anybody to talk to mm-hmm. so fast forward to you know six years in a marriage now my friends and stuff have they have kids they're they're more so I guess mature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're on my level now. So they're understanding my issues and what I was going through. And so now they have the same problems. And now me coming through it, it's like, oh, I can I can talk to you guys. I can help out, you know, whatever. But even more so, I can now vent to you guys and you guys understand and come from a place of understanding. Right. So it was like, well, shoot, let me get my friends together. I want to talk to my friends. I want to have friends again <laughs> so I can mm-hmm. go out. And yeah, it was like, what's the best way to basically be able to take my kids to work and still work at the same time? Mm-hmm. Make it a podcast. Let's talk. Okay. Let's talk. Let's start talking about fatherhood. I started doing a little bit of research, seeing if there's a market for it. Found out there's a market for it. It's not a big thing. And yeah, I now we're here. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we've been doing the podcast for a year. Um, we. We're still small, but we're still getting everything together. We're still kind of new to the podcast game. But, I mean, I love it. We definitely got – we have our first season completed. We 
have a good following. I haven't really been using the actual like credibility base that we have with my wife, uh, not my wife, but my son's page and with like the Benny Game page. Yeah. I'm trying to do it just with father to father alone, but it's it's getting the steady, slow incline that I like to see. So, okay, yeah. take me back to your first kid because you said you were 18 in the military. Was that planned, or what was your your first reaction when you first found out that you know you're gonna have a kid? So it was, man, it was scary. Yeah, okay, it wasn't scary. I had the girl with so my wife. Um, we had already we had known each other for what a few years. I already knew I was going to marry her before I went in. I found out, we found out she was pregnant. I was already in. So I was in Pensacola when I found out I was in Florida doing training. So it, it was, it was more so scary. Like when she told me, it was like, eh, okay, cool. We're having a kid. We're about to get married anyway. I ain't tripping. I want to marry you, but whatever. All good. The only thing that was scary was now I got to tell my mom that <laughs> I had, a, that she's pregnant. But that the problem wasn't that I got to tell her that she's pregnant. The problem was that I got to tell her that she's pregnant. And two years earlier, I don't know if you remember, but my ex was pregnant. High school? <laughs> yeah. Okay, school. okay. So she had got pregnant. Um, my ex had got pregnant. And so that's what, at 16. So mm -hmm. that was like my mom, my mom was like, like hard crushed, whatever. And I was like, dang, I got to re-put you through that. She didn't have the baby. So, you know, that, that didn't go through. But I was like, I have to put you through that again, mom? Mm -hmm. like, Ooh. So, you know, told her and yeah, it went. That's and that, that's why you know father to father now is so important to me because when I told her, I didn't have I didn't get a support system, so she was, it was basically like oh so you got another girl pregnant, and you're, first off my mom my wife or not my wife my mom didn't believe that I was the dad, mm -hmm. so she was like and right off the bat she was doing that just because she was pissed you're not the father, you're not that, you're probably not even there. And she's just talking, just running her mouth. And, you know, okay, I'm like, all right, do whatever. I'm in, I'm in Florida at the time. You buzzing my phone and you just, you know, so I had to cut my parents off. It sucked. It was hard. And then fast forward to my son being born. Now me and my wife are going through some things. We're going through our, our spit of um, – She's going through not depression, but you know she's living in California. I'm living in Arizona, right? So I'm I'm stationed in Arizona now. So I'm I'm traveling to see her. Things are our relationship's not the best because of all the drama. <laughs> so it was like I don't know. At 18, 18 year old Devontae was really depressed. At one point when I was out there uh, in Arizona, I was homeless mm -hmm. in the Marine Corps with Dang. a child. So right. So it was like a lot of things like didn't make sense. So, uh, I mean, it was, it was hard. It was tough. But now looking back, like, eight years later, it was legitimately preparation. Like, I'm not I'm – not, I don't want to say I'm a very religious person. I do believe in God. I'm very spiritual. So I, I believe that you're – we're called on this earth to do certain things. And mm. so, you, you know, it was kind of like I'm starting, to, I'm starting to look at some of the past things I went through as a test these were all tests these were all lessons to prepare me for what's to come right so yeah it's i don't know it's it's it, it was it was definitely hard it was it wasn't the easy it wasn't it wasn't easy but it was fun it was because being 18 year old dad that is freaking amazing like that was like it was like oh i just came from being a father or being in a household with all of the shit i didn't like 
now I'm gonna do with all the shit that I want to like, like all the shit I want to do. So it was, it was. I think that's why Caden's so like how he is now. Yeah. So talk to me about your fatherhood experience, or at least you being your father figures that were in your life growing up. Oh man, I had so okay. So me personally, my dad, my biological dad, and my mom, they never were together. So they were they were together for a moment, but when they never got married or anything. So when I was born, he was in my life for like a year, I think they say. Mm-hmm. And then I never like saw or heard from him again. So I had a stepfather, uh, Isaac, who, which I'm pretty sure you guys know. Uh, I don't know if you remember Coach Matt uh, Hadiki. Yeah, I remember his, him. Yeah, so his, his, uh, his brother was my dad. Okay. So I grew up with, I grew up in a Mex- primarily Mexican household uh, with a father who had the same issues I had. Ah. So his, his dad was not in the picture, and he was replaced by a stepdad. Mm-hmm. So it was like we got thrown – I got kind of got thrown into a, a, a generational curse kind of cycle thing, and me and him had like a rough relationship growing up. So it he was always there like as – how can I put it? He was the best father he could be with the knowledge that he had. That's, that's pretty much how I summed up to. He was the best father he could be with the knowledge that he had. He was always there for me. He was there to talk but there were certain things that he could have did better or certain things that he didn't quite understand about me. And, you know, it's not his fault. I can't blame him to him, but it, for that purposes, it changed me and how I looked at fatherhood and how I react and treat my kids and whatnot. So it, mm-hmm. it definitely, like, I wouldn't trade my fatherhood experience with it or by me being his son for anything, but definitely, we definitely had, you know, butted heads on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but I also had a lot of good, uh, a lot of other like fatherhood influences like um, my grandfather. So he was, he was a CEO of UCLA medical. I, I tell that all the time because wow. right. It, that's, and so I grew up knowing, knowing that, and he, he's a black man from South central LA. So, and that's like his story. We don't even know. <laughs> my grandfather is so rough that I don't even know my grandfather's story. Like he won't talk about his story with his parents because it's so tragic. Damn. <laughs> like, Damn. <laughs> So it's like he he's he's a very he's a very he's a very loving and a very like kind-hearted man, but he's also a very like yeah, you got to do your shit. Like I grew up in a household where it was like by the time I was 5, I was already reading. Mm-hmm. They were all they were like, "Yeah, no, you're going to learn this, you're going to know all this." So like I had a lot of I guess a lot of fatherhood figures in there that would like place expectations on me. And then I had a lot of um man, I had a lot of like angels too i guess you could say because at one point in time when i was went in high school so as you know i went to high school in orange county with you guys but i lived in marine valley right and why i went to high school in orange county was because i got in trouble in Reno valley with some like gang stuff and all that whatnot got wrapped up in the wrong crap so i ended up going to basically getting wrapped up in the wrong crowd and out and back in uh orange county and at the time, me and my father, stepfather at the time, were going through we button heads, button heads nonstop. And it had a lot to do with like sports, had a lot, it just had a lot to do with a lot of stuff. So I would have, there was a bunch of, it's always the funniest thing, there were a bunch of gang members. There were a bunch of gang members <laughs> that lived across the street, just a bunch of OGs, old heads. And I used to go over there and they would teach me dominoes, they were ones who taught me music. Uh, they would teach me all sorts of like creative outlets and whatnot. And I remember one day 
uh, one of them twin, he told me straight up, he saw me running outside, uh, got into it with my dad and my mom. He told me that basically I need to respect my mom, get on my shit. And he told me, he told me, he said, you have two eyes, two ears, and one mouth to listen, observe twice as much as you speak. And that was one of those things yeah. that like one of those, one of those gems that, you know, left with me for my entire life that really changed my aspect. And then he also, he's also the same person that told me that uh, the streets will always have, or you have love in the streets, but the streets are not for you. So stay out. Okay. Oh, like I had a lot of those little, little, that's why I say, I feel like God has been guiding me because I have a lot of those little, Hey, get your ass on track. Yeah. So you can appear and do father to father type shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> Did you ever have to compete with any like step siblings, step brothers, step sisters, or anything like that? Nah, he um, he they got married when I was five, so he was they got I want to say he was like twenty two. He was pretty young too when they got married, so he didn't have any kids. They had um, they ended up having my step, not my step brother, my half brother, um, Isaiah, my half sister. What two years after they got married? So I was seven years. I'm seven years older than my little brother. And then nine years older than my little sister. So I didn't really compete with them. It was how I see it now. And like looking back, because when I left for the Marine Corps, I was like 17. So my brother was like 10. Mm -hmm. They were kids. So it's almost as if I never, I never had to compete with them. But it was almost as if we had two different families. Because they okay. were so young growing up that we never, we didn't really get to interact. We didn't, we hung out and I played with them for a time. But by the time, my brother was three. I was ten. I'm already outside playing. I'm not at the house with him. <laughs> like, it's dang man. Even thinking back to that right now, like I'm like a lot of my yeah. They weren't. I didn't really get to hang out with them. They were there, but they weren't like involved in my life like that. So, like now we're trying to get back involved. And then my on my dad's side, he um, he has apparently two daughters. Mm -hmm. Oh, supposedly two daughters. He has one daughter that's confirmed and one daughter that may or may not be his. I don't know. So, but she calls herself my sister. So, but me and her, like, I'm trying to build a relationship with them too. And that's, that's tricky because I don't yeah. see him. Never seen him, never met him. It's, yeah. It's one of yeah. those things. Right? It's, it's, you can, I don't know. What I've learned is that like, and this is probably one of the things that drives me as a father, that your father's mistakes the son has to pay for the father's mistakes. Oh yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I got to make sure my shit's tight. So they don't got to pay for anything dumb that I did. Cause mm -hmm. it's like dealing with dumb stuff. My parents did like. Right. So just to kind of bring in my father background or my, yeah, my father's or my background, like with my father, um, both my parents stayed together up until recently. They're going to, they're filing for divorce now, but for my entire life, they've been together. And the, the thing, you know, I'll always appreciate my dad for at least being present in my life. But I know, kind of like what you said earlier, he did the best he can with what he knew because he didn't have a father in his life. And he had a stepfather. Um, so he had, he was a, uh, the third, the third sibling of seven kids. And so Ooh. the first, yeah, the first three kids, all three different uh, parents or all three different fathers, the yeah. last four were with, up the, with, his, with my dad's stepfather. And, you know, my dad doesn't tell me a whole lot, but from my mom and my dad were neighbors. They grew up like literally one house in between them. So they, you know, they heard a lot of the cheese, man. Right. So 
basically what my mom and a little bit what my dad tells me is the stepfather was really abusive. You know, he didn't really pay attention. He always favored his kids. He named one of his kids after himself. And it just seemed like a, a very toxic situation. I don't want to like put any wrong words, but it just seemed very toxic. And so I know my dad did his best with what I can, with what he did, but kind of like what you were just saying too, at the end was like his mistakes kind of fueled me to want to be a father too, eventually down the road when I'm ready, but also like, you know, he put me in a position to go to college. And so through college and through meeting other different people, I just have more resources than I, I know he had growing up and, and, you know, to prepare him for fatherhood more because, you know, it wasn't pretty at the home. Like he kicked me out a few times. There was a few times where I, I ran away from home because it was, you know, it was toxic, especially in my teens, you know, like right at the end of high school. And I had a couple like shitty things happen to me. Um, that I was like out of control in high school and I wasn't it tested my maturity and I think I was still really immature from like 17 to 19 but um you know we we butted head a lot we butted he we butt heads butted heads I don't know how you say that but we, yeah we butt heads a lot too and like even still now to this day my dad's going through his own thing too a lot of I've mentioned it on the show a few times he uh he played football back in the 80s and he told me all the time that he would he probably got a bunch of concussions and you can kind of see that and through college. I had a lot of um, reports that I didn't want to do on concussions. And I, basically a lot of the long-term effects, I can see it in him. But, you yeah, know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress, you know. But I, like I said in the beginning, first and foremost, like I'm, I'm grateful that he was in my life. I just know that he did the best he could. And it was rough. But, you know, it, I'm glad that he was there present in my life versus not being there. So, see, I got to say this then because – as a father, you're the type of kid that I would want my son to grow up to be, like regardless of, of all the of all the crap, knowing that I, I can just tell, knowing that what you've accomplished now, that's exactly it. Because your legacy, you're the legacy right there. Like you yeah. work, bro, you're killing it. And that's <laughs> like as a father, like, yo, I'd be mad proud. Like there's no there's no if, ands, or buts about it. So mm -hmm. it's like that, and that's that's the thing that where it all comes full circle. It's like as long as they're okay and they make it in the end it doesn't it doesn't matter like my tragic story they ain't never gonna know my tragic <laughs> you don't know that you don't know that the foundation and that's that's a lot of what i've been learning about like a lot of fatherhood is just it's, it's a foundation and your foundation is depending it's gotta be strong like you're not you're not responsible or you're you're not in charge what was it it's not your fault all the shit that happened to you right but you're responsible to fix it. And that's what gives you the test. Exactly. That is the, the, are you going to step up to the plate and fix it? Are you going to be responsible enough to fix it? Cause that's where the, that's where the pain, the pride, that's where, man, that's where it all comes from. It's like, yeah. shoot, damn right. I did that. Like, I don't damn about nothing else. Like I did that. He looking at you like you did, like you damn right. I did that. I, I, that's <laughs> mine. Like that's my kid. That's how, bro. That's how we do it. That's how we do it with Kate. Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, if, if anything else, if I fail, if father to father does not go and be as far as I, as like a game changer, I'm right. just gonna be like, look, I bared this fruit. <laughs> this is the fruit I bared. Look at Katie. Say less. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's. I don't know. He's he's got to be proud. But then I gotta ask you this. So so, what's what's some of the things that have you have you noticed any of his traits on you that you already kind of wanna combat? Yeah, biggest thing, I mean, the, the reason why I was so drawn to your podcast is because you guys communicate about being father. And that's one thing I feel like I didn't have growing up with my dad is a good open communication. You know, 
there's a stereotype that a lot of Mexican and fathers, especially there's that machismo where they don't talk, you know, they just, they like to hold their emotions in and then blow up when they're drinking or doing whatever, you know? See, it's crazy you mentioned that because, like, I didn't know much about that stereotype growing up because, I mean, I had I had more black friends than Mexican friends for some reason. Even even though I would get along with more Mexican kids than black kids, I had more yeah. black friends than Mexican friends. But, no, I never understood that that stereotype until my little brother told me about it, and then I realized that that's what my dad has, too. That's, mm. that's literally what he has, too. He has that, that, like, I won't talk about it. I'm too proud to talk about it like what that i've never i didn't know that was a real like a thing yeah that was a thing and growing up i think when you see that in the household a lot whether it's like verbal outbreaks physical outbreaks physical fights verbal fights at least in me like when i was young dude i I would have uh relationships end really quickly because like i would get in a fight but at least from what i saw at home is like they got in a fight and then like the next day, maybe it's because they're married. Maybe, you know, they were committed to each other. They've been together for a long time, but I didn't really see my parents talk it out. You know what I mean? They would fight and the next day it was like all that's, good and new. That's and so what I, happened, yeah. yeah. So when I was in relationships, I would get into fights with my significant others. And the next day, you know, I'd be like, Hey, you know, like my bad. And then like, I wouldn't say anything else about it or I wouldn't address it. And of course, you know, like girls are going to get pissed for that. Right. And so I had a lot of, I had to discover that a lot, like till like recently, like 23 even, where till like I had a my current girlfriend actually, she called me out like, why don't you communicate? And I was like, Yo, yeah, and I had to look back at it, yeah. I literally have dealt with the exact same thing, like it's like the exact same thing. I don't. That's how it would be with me and Destiny. That's why our marriage. That's a big part of why our marriage was so hard for the first couple of years, is because we couldn't communicate. Like I couldn't. It would get to the point where like we would argue. And we would shut down, and it would it would go quiet for a couple of days, and then it'd be back to normal. And it's like that doesn't solve anything. It, it really it, it that's man that's how my that's how my household was too. Like yeah. I grew up with a lot of that. Like it was just very brush it off, go mm-hmm. about. It never happened. <laughs> and then oh, and no. then definitely like want to be you know like going back to what you asked, just like I want to be a little bit more supportive as a father too. I think there was a lot of times where if my you know if I had a failure whether it was in school or it was in sports he like always you know there was always discipline for it right whether it was physical punishment or whether it was like well I remember in baseball and the reason I never liked baseball growing up as a kid because he told me every time I struck out I would have to pull an hour I'd have to pull weeds for an hour in the yard so think about it like I'm already like not that great of a baseball athlete as a kid and then you know if I like have a game where I strike out two times that's two hours now I gotta like and I, that, I hated pulling weeds as a kid. Like, I could do anything else, mow lawns, whatever, like, no big. She's no not pulling weeds, weeds bro. <laughs> That's why, because see, I'm, I'm really glad you kind of said that, because, like, thinking about it right now, as my middle child, I've done that a couple of times. And that's that's one of the things that, like, that's why I like, I really love having these comments. This is why I made the positive about the podcast. It's just because, like, talking about this, I start to realize different things. Like, you come like different revelations. Like the other day, me and uh, me and Cash, I was trying to teach him. I man, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard teaching a three rule. Like, it's hard. So <laughs> I'm trying to teach him, and I'm like, okay, you know this. You know these letters. We're going over the letters. Yeah, and he knows the alphabet. 
he's known his alphabet since he was like two. Like, <laughs> so like, we're like plugging in, we're going over the letters. He's known these letters. He's gotten these letters right. And he keeps fucking it up. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> we have, I don't know if you uh, saw the system or the, the, the video that I did about the little, the Bennett books discipline system that we have. So I was like, man, like, no, I swear to God, we were there for like 45 minutes going over U, L, and G. And bro, I was broke down. Like, I pulled a bit of buck from him. I was like, yo, give me a bit of buck. Like, <laughs> like give me a bit of buck. <laughs> you owe me a dollar. And his face was just like, like, and now that you said that, I'm wondering if, if he was really failing and if he's feeling like that. Like, mm. that's, that's, that's interesting. Like, mm. I, I really, huh. And, it, and and the last thing too, I'll, I'll I'll go on too, just to add is like I have I have had a change of heart. I think when I was younger, and when people asked me if I had kids, and like you know, there's a whole like spanking thing. I was pro spanking for the like obvious reasons, right? Not right. Um, not excessive, you know, like not abuse. Just like hey, if they mess up, and we already told them, we already confronted them about a certain thing. Like I'm I'm okay with spanking, but I work in an after school program. I'm about to coach high school next year in a garden grove area and then just like my recent girlfriend like she kind of they've kind of turned me off from the idea of like using physical punishment and because i'm working with kids so much and i get to try different like communicative strategies like there's other ways to get to kids without using physical punishment and i think you know i in growing up in a household where there was a lot of physical punishment being used it's like all right that's like the you know that's the easy solution that's the go-to yeah that's the go-to yeah, yeah. yeah. but it, obviously communicating is harder right like it's it's, it's much harder to like it's hard and talk stuff out but it's i think it could be a lot more what do you say like productive yeah. yeah so wait, wait you work with, with kids right now yeah i work with kids right now oh middle man school. tell me about that what great oh middle school oh yeah. please tell me about that that's got like, in, in garden grove yeah like, that's, that's that's spots that's it yeah you know that's what troubled youth <laughs> <laughs> exactly bro it's it's pretty crazy because like i i I was in between jobs too, coming out of college and, you know, I was kind of bouncing around with what I wanted to do. Obviously I wanted to get into like radio, media, TV, something like this with the podcast. Right. But, you know, it was just a job to me at first when I started, I actually started as a referee um, for this oh, like, football shoot. league. But then, you know, I got to know a few of the kids at one particular school because their coach couldn't make it five days a week to practice with them. So I kind of filled in whenever she needed uh, some help and, and those kids, I'd even, to me, like when I tell people when I work with kids, kids why I like them is because I just got to be myself. Like, I don't got to try extra hard. I don't got to be extra corny or anything. I, sometimes I feel like my coworkers are like super corny or like trying to be like way trying too Trying to be top. a kid, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like me, I'm just by myself. And I have a very like youthful nature, people tell me. So I think that's why I was like instant click. Kind of just to see like so many kids. On the last day of school, they had like a, a water day. So like. You know, we got water balloons and like all the kids wanted to get me wet and like no other staff. They're all taking pictures with me. And like I'd even I wasn't even there. I was just a referee, you know, like I only spent a couple days of the week with them. So, you know, that experience just like really opened my eyes. I was like, damn, like I have a pretty good just natural connection with like kids, especially at that age. Because I, I, I did like interact with a few elementary school kids. And, you know, for them, it's I have to have a little bit more patience with the younger ones you know, like sixth graders, fifth graders, yeah, yeah. they're closer to middle school. They're almost at that age. But I felt like seventh to eighth graders was is ideal for me because you can have those adult conversations with them when you're in one-on-one. -on -one, yeah, you know? and they start to – they really understand those. See, it's it's really like 
people like you are really important. Like you probably made a bigger impact than you yeah. even know in some of those kids' lives. Like having that, and that, that's like that's why I really want to study or have been studying, kind of studying fatherhood. I want to, when I get to freaking whatever university, I want to see if they can like give me a degree. I heard someone made their own degree. I'm about to try to ask to request my own degree for fatherhood specifically. Okay. Because it's like, it's one of those things where like the, the research that that's the, out there about absent father, father tees and like the absence of, or the, what fatherlessness causes, it's literally in every single social illness. Mm -hmm. So it's like, when you have people that are like, just like you that, oh, you're just a referee. You're just there. But it's like, you just having those impactful conversations. It's like, it really does shift the trajectory of a lot of these kids that are going off path. Right. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I know we don't, as as men in general and as fathers like we don't first off we're not informed of how important our job is but then second we're not informed of how important our job is and how important it is that we are in our job all the time mm. the same way that you go there you impact one is the same way that another man can go there and, and hurt one and it's right. like it's like we need to have that knowledge and that's why like man i, I gotta ask you a, a question too why kids what, what made you get into it with kids? I, I just think because I guess me, I grew up in Santa Ana, then moved to Orange and went to Villa Park High. But like through elementary school to sixth grade, I was in Santa Ana. And I guess for me, my point of view is like why I like work, work with the kids because when kids are, especially right before high school and middle school, they're curious, right? right? I wouldn't say like kids are bad or evil or mischievous yet, but it's things in life at that age that kind of lead them to mischievous paths. Right. Cause I'm in Santa Ana, Santa Ana is a little worse than garden Grove. I would say as far as like, you know, the poverty and gangs and stuff yeah. like that. But I, I had a lot of friends that like I went to elementary school with that were really cool, you know, like really smart, good athletes. And, you know, they either didn't go to college, dropped out of high school. Some of them are in gangs. Yeah. And so I see that like on Facebook, or Instagram or hearing, talking to friends. And I'm just like, Yo, so somewhere in their life, they took a rat, wrong turn. Because, you know, I remember there was kids smarter than me. And, like, I remember hearing he, he got locked up. And I was like, bro, he, like, Why? I was always trying to catch up to him in fourth grade, Why? you know? And I was like, man, he was so smart. So, you know, I, I guess once I started, like, learning my impact, the, like, the kids gravitated towards me. I started, you know, trying to, like, hey, yeah, it's cool. We can have fun and games. But, like, be serious about your homework. Be serious about your sport. Whatever you're passionate about, find a way to commit to it. And, you know, I would, uh, I'd be, I guess I, I, I keep, I keep it real with the kids. You know what I mean? Like, I know there's a lot of like guidelines that you have to go by because after school programs and working with right, kids, right. a lot of things, a lot of things you can and can't talk about. Right. Right. But sometimes I feel like, especially with the kids that didn't have fathers that I learned that program, because that next year I was an assistant manager at a particular site, you know, they don't have those fathers to talk about certain things. And, you know, it's like, Obviously, I don't want to be that person to talk to them, but if they don't have anyone else at home to have that talk, who else is going to do it? Exactly, That's, you know? So, okay, man, dang. I mean, he'll mess around happy interview you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Okay, so why podcasts? Where did, man, that fact, where did the idea of my mic and I come from? Because that's, that's lit. The name is lit. What you're yeah. doing with it is lit. Your whole presentation of it is lit. You're freak. Everything that you're doing, I promise you, literally, you be killing it. Like, and you be inspiring the hell out of me. I be looking at. I still the one that the one that be killing me still every time is the one where you open the door or you open yeah, the, yeah. the door. You were like, 
I'm like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yo, appreciate that, bro. But I mean, just going for the Instagram page, I feel like at seventh and eighth grade, kids are like shy to make mistakes, right? They don't like putting themselves out there. So that's why I do those silly things. They're corny as hell. Some of the kids see them and they'll laugh at me and I'll laugh with them. I'll, you know, I tell them this is like, this is what I find. I find that funny too, right? And it's okay to laugh at yourself. Cause I think too many times in like, I don't, I don't have a better word for it, but like that hood mentality is like, if someone makes fun of you, like, oh, I'm going to fight them. Like, you know, I'm going to, you want to catch yeah. these hands? And I, I see that at kids all the time. And it's like, nah, it's, it's okay to get laugh at yourself. You know, sometimes like sometimes you're going to get made fun of. Sometimes they're going to get made fun of. It's not bullying. It's just a part of life. Like you have to learn, take some and give some. Right. And so that's one of why, why I do the cheesy videos and for the podcast, you know, just me, me as a person, I've always liked, once I stopped school, I still like learning, you know, I, uh, I kind of drew a lot of inspiration from Joe Rogan because he would always have, he would have comedians on there. He would have fighters on there, but he would also have yeah. like crazy, like Elon Musk and yeah, people, yeah. people from all different backgrounds doing different things in life. And I was like, damn, that's cool. Like I'd even, I'd even know that existed. Like I'd even know that was a job. And so, you know, I wanted to do more of that because I started the podcast with a friend and we were going to do sports only podcasts because that was kind of like my strength in college. But once he kind of dropped out, I was like, hey, how do I make it more of myself? Like if I'm just going to do this solo, I'm not the type of person to just talk about me, me, me. Right. Not, you know, I had to find a niche. And so just interviewing different people from different backgrounds. And I've been fortunate enough to where I knew a lot of people coming out of high school and college that you know, had interesting stories that I went on to do different things. And, you know, I started with like a few, I started with one artist and I had a, a bunch of different artists on. Yeah, um, I've been seeing that lately. I've been looking at it. And you've been having some dope artists too, man. I'm like, yeah. oh, hey, cool. I got some dope music to listen to. Yeah, so that, that was a pretty like, that was cool because I always watched Big Boy growing up. And like, you know, I always thought about being a radio host or like interviewing artists. And so it's cool to actually like be putting that. And it's cool too, because like at the same time, it's cool it's cool because i get to meet other dope artists especially in like orange county because at first right. i knew Wim uh wimberly from high school i don't know if you remember yeah. him yeah oh I no knew. yeah i still be talking to him yeah yeah so that's all i knew and, and he put me on to other people and then they put me on to other people other artists in la orange county and it's just like damn there's a lot of you guys out there and like yeah. you know if i could just you know i'm sure they feel as good as if like i'm there they add a new fan if i put them on the show and have them talk about their you know career Bro, stuff like that it's it's awesome like that you even have this back like I, that's what I was like man I'm so geek to get interviewed like just to get interviewed like that's that's it's exactly what it is it's another it's another platform it's another I don't know it always takes me back to especially with what's going on these days and what's going on right now it takes me back to the old saying the revolution will not be televised yeah this is this is, this is what it is this is where the the bridge between people the bridge between all the miscommunication starts happening with mm -hmm. little podcast little independent radio stations free radio that's that's what this is this is free yeah. radio free radio broadcast it's a whole like this this is it's awesome i love i, I love that I, I love what you're doing like for yeah. real for real and just to just to add real quick too with the kids before i hop on to something different when i was at that site last year uh there were you know towards the end of eighth grade they go into high school the kids were asking me like hey like you know, they get to choose electives, right? They have one elective for their class in high school. Yeah. And so one kid came up to me and he was like, hey, like, what's graphic design? Like, do you know anything about that? And I was like, oh, and I didn't know how to explain it, you know, at the beginning. But I was like, it was around the time of NFL free agency. And I was like, yo, like, open up your Instagram. 
because yeah, I know he was big onto football. And yeah. so he, he first opens it up, and I think it was like you know, first, the first post is like Jaguar sign so-and-so. And so I told them, I was like, hey, you know, like that post right there? Someone like the, what the graphic design major made that. Like they put the right, team colors. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they put the team colors, the player picture to cut it out, his number, the, the years and the amount of money he got on the contract. Someone made that. Designed the whole flyer. Right. And so he was like, whoa. And like he actually took that class. And now he, you know what's super cool? Like a couple of weeks ago, before free agency started NFL, he started his own NFL Instagram page. And he's not designing anything yet, but he is just like posting stuff and kind of giving his opinion. And I yeah. was like, man, that's super cool. Like, that's, you know, that, that's, that, see? that to me, that like kind of warmed my heart. I almost had like a, a shed a tear moment. I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah, man, dude, that's, you know? that's, that, that's that impact. That's that all it takes is one. Each right. one teach Like, that's, that's, kids probably, honestly, you probably changed his life. Like, yeah. he's probably yeah. looking like graphic design. Like, what? That's what, that's what they're doing? Like, yeah. that's, that's what he did. What? Like, yeah. man. He keep about to go change the world, right? <laughs> yeah. What you just said, like, yeah, that's, that's that's what I love about it. That's man. So, so the reason why I like having a, a bunch of pitch free people, whether they're doing podcasts, whether they're doing, you know, like movies, whether they're acting, or I want to get some authors on here too, just to like, because I know a lot of the kids listen to it. So just to kind of give them like different outlets, because I think a lot of what them is like be. sports or bust, you know, or or uh, you yeah. know, like they don't. They're not very creative when it comes to imagination just because people don't tell them like they could do these things, especially in schools. They like, don't lower, know. Yeah. And right. poverty they areas. Yeah. So they don't know, you know? And so just to put them on game, like you can also choose careers in music. It doesn't have to be just rap. You could be right. like what I am interviewing people. Producer, right. Engineering. Shoot, audio engineering. Like, music man. videos, you know? Right. So All that kind of stuff. Happens. So I'm just trying to get different people from different backgrounds of different professions just to kind of show them that there's more to even with sports, you know, like I, that was one thing I didn't know till growing. I was like 19 when I, you know, I wanted to play football, 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 but I didn't think of like, Hey, where can I, um, like, how else can I, if I, if football doesn't work out, like, obviously, you know, I'm five ten, I'm not going to make the NFL, but what are other professions in football, right? Whether it's an executive chair whether it's refereeing, whether it's broadcasting, commentating, writing about sports, there's whole other like job industries that are Within related to the football. one, right. right? And that's see, that's that's the stuff they don't teach you in college or not college. That's the stuff they don't teach you in high school. Yeah, that 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 that's what you need that that fatherhood, that that other that I impact am? to tell you that to guide you to what let you know that? like, hey, this is what you got. This is this could be this. This could be that. Uh. What is it? This is a cracker. Sorry. We had a, we had a <laughs> baby over here. Oh, I just put their food down. Dang it. Dang it, Kyle. Sorry about that. No, you're good. You're good. So take me back to your military experience because you said you chose the Marine Corps. How did that change your life, you know, coming going out of high school at 18 years old? Oh, man. Holy. All right. The Marine Corps. <laughs> so the thing about – I don't know if you remember, I graduated a little bit early. So I graduated at 16. So I had like a good year before I actually decided to go to the Marine Corps. So I started, that's, that's the time that my ex at the time was pregnant or whatever. So she was, she got pregnant, I think like right after I graduated, something like that, or right around that time. And she was pregnant for like three months Then she lost the baby. She had a miscarriage. But during that time I was working at, uh, 
well, I had already been working. So right when I graduated, I was working and then I was doing music and that whole thing. So it was, it was like, I was, I was pretty much duly invested in, in life, what I thought my life was going to be going. So when we found out that she was pregnant at the time, I had signed up for the Air Force. I was going to go Air Force, took my ASVAB, ready to go, all that stuff, good to go. There was a long, it was like a year wait list for me to go. So I was like, man, I want to go now. Like, I need to get out of here. I need to get ready. This is before she had lost the baby. So I, I was, I was like, my mom was like, all right, cool. I'm going to the Marine Corps. I was still in, or I, my mom, I'm going to the Air Force. I was in college. I was working. And I'm getting ready to go to the Air Force. This is like six months before I end up going to the Marine Corps. Or, sorry, this is, no. This is like eight months before I go to the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. So within this time period, like around December, I decided that it was taking too long to go to the Air Force. I'm going to go to the Marine Corps. I went, signed up, went to go to, go to the, or signed up to go to the Marine Corps. My leave out date was May. I think this is around November that I actually went to go sign up. So December hits. I lost my job. I got fired because I went to MEPS in San Diego to go weigh in and get certified to go to the Marine Corps. So I lost my job. <laughs> the girl loses the baby. Whatever. That's okay. We break up. Her mom sends me a letter telling me I'm never going to be shit. And that, and this is, this is after she had told me that she was, that she was mad or at us for her getting pregnant because she couldn't believe that her uh, first grandchild was going to be black. Oh, she's, her daughter is Mexican and black, by the way. Yikes. Okay. So yeah, all, so all that happens. And then I got robbed at gunpoint. Damn. And all my studio equipment got taken. So crucial records at the time, done. And this is we're at the we're at the height of our shit. We're doing we got people coming in for studio time at the time. I'm full time doing this and working, trying to make all my money and going to school, trying to make the the record label go and all the shit go. So I lost everything like December 2011, right after I graduated. Damn. So May or so six months or not six months, like four months go by. And I decided that is what I'm going by or sorry, in four months go by. I ended up breaking up with her all that in December. January comes around. I'm now kicked out of my house. I'm still 16 or not kicked out. I, of course, if you ask my mom, I chose to voluntarily leave. It was a, it was a mix up, but you know, I'm not in the house. Uh, I'm on my own, and I'm getting ready to train and go to the Marine Corps. So May hits. I'm with my wife now, um, and I'm going to the Marine Corps. And or sorry, not not May. Uh, April hits, okay. and I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I'm ready to go. Do I really want to go? This is gonna be hard. Whatever. With my homeboy comes back, who I didn't know went to the Marine Corps. He comes back. He comes back flossing. No. <laughs> now, you know, like, in the hood, you only got the drug dealers, the, the ballers, the rappers, whatever that. Dude came back stunting. And Man. I'm like, what did you do? He's like, oh, well, yeah. Sorry. I'm still, before this, I'm still going to the Air Force. He's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to the Marine Corps. Or I was in the Marine Corps. I did this. I'm like, okay. So, Marine Corps. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's one of the hardest branches to get into. I'm like, oh. Oh, so it's not cheesy like the Air Force. I'm like, oh, okay. Go talk to a Marine recruiter. Marine recruiter tells me, oh, yeah, you're good. You already went to MEPS. You did all this. You can ship out in May. I was like, oh. (laughs) 
at this point, only thing I got to do is convince my mama. My mama's not having it. She not Man. trying to sign the paperwork. She not trying to let me go to the Marine Corps. I had to, I'm already living outside of the house, okay? I'm just now barely coming back into the house at this point in time. I'm trying to get her to sign this paperwork so I can leave again. She wouldn't sign it. Long story, of course, eventually she signs it, lets me go off. I end up finding myself at, what was it, May 7th, 2012, on the yellow footprints in MCRD San Diego, regretting every moment I ever, everything I just did. Boy, we stepped off that. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the videos of the Marine Corps, of the, the little boot camp videos. No, nah, never. Boy, we stepped off the 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 uh the bus and got in the two the two um footprints and i already have authority issues right i don't like grown men yelling at me i already feel like i'm a grown man <laughs> i'm 17 i feel like i'm grown you ain't gonna tell me shit like <laughs> oh it's grown ass man comes running up <laughs> screaming got his fingers in my face boy man the toughest 13 weeks of my life. And it was it was tough just because it's it's mental. It's it's one of those things where I got I got hurt. Um I had got what I thought was a stress fracture. And if you get one of those, basically you have to you have to restart boot camp over and do your 13 weeks over. So I got stuck midweek. I got uh I was the guide and the squad leader the whole time. So I was in charge of people. I was getting fucked up on the the quarter deck what they call it, because of other recruits that were in my squad that I was in charge of. I would, boy, it was like, it was like leadership training. And that, that's why I started looking at a lot of it as like, it was meant to be, I, I had to do that stuff to come out and do what I'm doing now because it, it was exactly that. It was, it was hardcore leadership training. It was all the shit that my, that I should, not that I should have known, but it was all the discipline that I needed to be the leader that I was supposed to be jam packed in the 13 weeks of just cram knowledge. This is what it is. And it was, I came out, I went in, I think at like 195 pounds, I came out 186 pounds, the skinniest I'd ever been in my life. Yeah. I looked, I could run three miles in 21 minutes. I was like best Ooh. shape ever. And then I hit the fleet or then I went to, sorry, before I hit the fleet, I went to right after that. We went to combat training for a month. We went hike the mountains of San Diego. That was fucking hard but it was fun like it, it's fun it was fun as shit we shot a bunch of guns did a bunch of cool ass shit and then i went to pensacola florida and i started learning my job and that's when i started learning about aircraft we started finding that's when i found out that destiny was pregnant and we were having the baby and whatnot from there i went to a place called havelock north carolina which they might as well call have not because there ain't shit there we were there for three months doing nothing but schooling dude i kid you not nothing there and then I hit the fleet, what they call the fleet. And that was in Yuma, Arizona, which, again, nothing there. So I was in Yuma, which is the fucking desert. It's, it's like a desert oasis town on the border of Mexico and California and Arizona. Oh, it's damn. Right there off the border, just nothing there but sand and that little town. So we were there for four and a half years, I think, four and a half years. And it was, it was fucking, it was fun. It was, it was really stressful when I first got there. Um, I didn't have a chip on my shoulder, but I didn't necessarily like the fact that there were people there. I, I always had this thing where if you're not, if you don't have more responsibility than me, you, you can't tell me what to do. You, you ain't, you ain't walked the shoes, the shoes, the days of my life. You don't know 
Don't fucking don't talk to me with some respect. You ain't gotta treat me like I'm. I, I get it. I'm a kid, but I'm more than a kid. Treat me with stuff. like it was like yeah. treat me some respect. So I got there, and it was, they weren't having none of that. Fuck all of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all that. You ain't get no respect. You a boot. You a land score. I think I got there as a PFC. So you a PFC. You ain't shit. But I was I was one of the top people when I got there. I was like top of the class. Or not top of the class. Top 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 um land whatever newbie there. I was on my shit. I was learning. I was doing really good. And then I got switched to a different ship, to the other ship. I think I was on night crew at first and I got shipped to day crew. I did not get along with day crew. Now the Marine Corps is full of racist assholes. Like yeah. it's it's just full of that's that's what the military is. But specifically the Marine Corps, everyone from the Marine Corps seems to come from the South. Everybody. Damn. So I'm in there with a bunch of dudes that you a nigga. Man, we ain't gonna call you that, but we gonna treat you some type of way. We gonna make black jokes. We gonna whatever. You one of three black dudes in the shop. There's not much you can do. I'm one of seven black dudes in the squadron. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, nigga, like you know, at that time, this is eighteen-year-old Devontae who, or sorry, nineteen-year-old Devontae who I got a wife. I'm driving to California and back every single weekend to California to Arizona, three-hour trips every single weekend. I got a baby. I'm a father already. I got, I pay bills. I got rent. You are a motherfucker that you ain't got no kids, no wife, and you live in the barracks. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm looking at you like fuck you and everything you gotta say to me. You don't know my life. And it wasn't like, I remember one day, it was like right before I got, ended up getting kicked out of my shop. Because I got kicked out of my shop the first year I was there. So one day I came in and they were talking shit. And it was my corporals. I'm a Lance Corporal at the time. I'm still lower level. They've all deployed. They've all, now my, the squadron I was in, they went to Afghanistan right before I got there. Mm-hmm. And they got attacked. So a lot of the dudes, not a lot of the dudes, but. Pretty much everyone in my shop had experienced some form of combat while they were deployed. So a lot of them were a bunch of drunks, but a lot of them were a bunch of like, you know, we understand, like we've been through some shit. We understand some shit. We get some shit. When I was a kid, I had already been, had a good life. I got robbed at gunpoint before I went to the Marine Corps. So, you know, I get it. Y'all guns popping. We've seen guns popping back home too. So I'm like, I'm looking at y'all like y'all not much different than me so don't don't talk to me any type of way came in one night and they was talking shit i was like fuck this shit i already got into it with my wife earlier fuck all <laughs> i'm pissed i called him out i called the corporal and i told him i was like bro we got a problem we can step outside he yelled he's gonna try to yell at me and call me outside so i run him outside i was like what's good like we can either handle this like men and we can talk like men or we can uh or you're gonna do whatever you fucking blah, blah, blah. i was like you let me talk to you like a man he was like, no, I was like, fuck all this shit. Got kicked out of the shop. Ended up going Dang. to, got fapped out, went over to fucking like some maintenance thing where I learned how to basically fix refrigerators, fix, I, dude, I learned all sorts of like house maintenance shit that okay. ended up helping me in the future. So it was cool. And it was like, <laughs> my, my job was fucking like lit as fuck. It was boring. We didn't do shit or it was boring. But like, because it was boring, we just didn't do like, we had all the free time in the world. So I'm getting like a mini vacation. And then I went back to my shop. All the assholes are out. We're going on a deployment now. We're going to Bahrain. So we went to Bahrain for six months, or I think it is six or eight months, one of the two, I can't remember. It was 12 on, 12 off. That's, that's pretty much what we, you know, what it was normally anyway, 12 hour shifts. 
before we went to Bahrain, I distinctively remember wake like we would legitimately you would come into work during the daytime and then you would leave and slap hands with day crew the next morning <laughs> that was just so it was like it was always 12 on 12 off it was like that from before deployment through deployment after deployment it was just work and it was like grind 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 while we were on deployment i i like i don't say i mastered my job but i had went there's only so far you can go in what's called your mos yeah. So at, at, at certain levels. So I had capped out everything that I could do. And, and, and this is the thing. At this time in the shop, I'm still the only black dude. I'm like one of two. So I'm still dealing with racism and bullshit. Uh, this is around the time. We were deployed when Trayvon Martin got shot. Oh, shit. So I'm dealing with that on deployment. Dealing with people trying to talk shit, running back, running them out, whatever. So on deployment, I'm away from family. I'm away from everybody. Bruh, I'm telling you right now, I was like, zoned like i've never been so zoned and determined in my life i killed not killed <laughs> i was fucking destroying everybody in my shop i was i had the most calls in my shop i had calls in my shop calls in the other shops i was i was fucking shit up i was on my shit so when we came back i was oh i also got into like a big ass fight uh with somebody over some racist shit where i beat his ass and they got it on video yeah bro i had yes. to i had to earn I had to earn my respect in my shop. Like, and I had to like earn it. I earned it physically. Like, it was like legit. Like, after that day, after I had beat him up, after he was talking shit, there was, they weren't fucking with me. He apologized. Everybody was like, oh, okay, cool. I get it. We ain't going, all right, bro. Yeah. You, you the one. So we got back from deployment and my shop that I went on deployment, they're all getting out. They're all, everyone's getting out of the Marine Corps. Their, their contracts are up. So all my mentors, everyone that I'm close with is getting out. It's just me and all the juniors. Bro, we get there, we got a whole new leadership. And leadership is the racist asshole <laughs> who didn't like you before, bro. They back. These mofos is back. So now <laughs> they back, but they back, and I know more than them now at this point. I'm, I'm, I work my ass off. We, we are now equals. You might be of a lower, I'm a lower rank than you, but we're equals. So if not, you know, if not, I'm no more than you. So I'm there for, we're back in the shop for like six months when I got back. Everybody I was with picked up corporal. I got non-rect, which is non-recommendation, three months. And they, yeah, they non-rect me because I would not conform to the shop. And I would not conform because it was a lot of like, it was one of those, they want me to be black monkey chauffeur. Yeah. It was like, nah, bro, like I, I, at this point in time, I'm a Lance Corporal and I run the shop. Like, I'm telling corporals and sergeants, go do this on the job. Go do that. And you're non-wrecking me. And you're telling me that I'm not good enough to do it. So I had to learn law. <laughs> and I had to fight. I had to learn how to fight back to fight my non-wreck and get promoted. Yeah. So that ended up being a skill that I ended up having to learn or having to use later on when we got sued. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know, like my military experience was like, it was a lot. It was just a lot. It was a lot of craziness. A lot happened, but it wasn't. I didn't. It, it wasn't like, like we didn't go out nowhere and like have combat or anything like that. I don't got PTSD or anything. It's just it was a really stressful time. Just right. and, I mean, just based off like work schedule, like, like even when we got back home from deployment, you still might as well have been deployed back home because you're doing twelve on twelve off back home. It's it's is wild. So it was like really taxing on just the family 
and the family aspect of it. And then when it came time for me to finally, like, whether I want to re-enlist, it was, I wanted to, and we wanted to go to Japan. We were going to try to re-enlist and go to Japan. And the Marine Corps basically said, no, your options are you can stay here and stay in Arizona and work on your jet, or you can go to North Carolina because we need you in your MOS. Mm. So it was like, got to go. <laughs> <laughs> got to go. <laughs> See y'all later, man. Yeah. Out. And it honestly probably has been like the best thing that ever happened to me. They told me before I got out, they were like, oh, you're going to struggle. You got two kids. You're, gonna, you're not going to make it. You're not going to, there's not going to, you're not going to find a job that does as much as this for you. You can do all this for you. And I like worked. They were right. It was, bull. I didn't struggle, but it was like, I went straight from the Marine Corps to working at SpaceX. And SpaceX was cool until I had to deal with LA traffic. And I had to, I started realizing that SpaceX was fucking cold. They have like they there's a there's a culture of how they do things and it's set up to where you can't move unless you're one of the good old boys. And yeah. I'm a Marine, so I'm never one of the good old boys. Like I was working with a bunch of veterans, but it's like, you know, we would we would get there when I first got to the SpaceX, I would get there, finish my work hella fast, and be sitting around for ten hours, like, oh shit, there's nothing to do. Oh. And they're like, Oh, you can't be on your phone, you can't go home. Okay. Fuck you! I gotta quit this job too. <laughs> quit that job. Go work at fucking Jaguar in West Hollywood, and I re-injured my back. Damn. Yeah. So I re-injured my back, and then I got fired like two weeks after I had re-injured my back before they could get me with any, or before I could get them with anything or whatever. So, and that's when I, you know, ended up with hit with the depression. Got the baby come around, and then father father hit. Mm-hmm. And since it's it's since I got fired, like me me getting fired has been the best thing that ever happened. It it forced me to pick up the mic again. It forced me to use my creativity to make money. It forced me to go do things right, like back in school, freaking father to father, doing cadence thing, doing the the Instagram. It's it's a lot of my life now is starting to come full circle, and it's like, oh, you went through all of that to get you. If I didn't go through all of A, B, and C, I could have never got to D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that, bro. I feel like when you work at those stores, I mean, I never did anything like Jaguar or SpaceX, but just like working at Costco, working at Big Five, working at a few other like just retail stores, like you're replaceable, you know, you're just a number. Yeah, and you know? you, exactly. And you start to feel that. And it's just like, man, like, what am I doing this for? Like, and and that's a lot of that is what started like, like getting me into – <laughs> like man if you I, I i do some research i do a lot of a lot of research a lot of uh, knowledge and stuff and just just because i i have this thing where i feel like as a father it's my job to know everything like people always used to call me a know-it-all as a kid and as an adult now i'm like i don't see a problem with knowing it all <laughs> yeah it's a know it all right it's a good thing i need to know it all because if i don't know it all and they have a question my sons are inquisitive they ask fucking a thousand questions a day and it's like if i can't answer their question the question doesn't go away they have to go find another answer they're gonna find the answer from somewhere mm-hmm. i don't want them to find answers from shit they don't need to find answers from <laughs> like we all did when we were kids right. so it's like i've started like like i've just dove into a lot of the research and like i see that the way that this system is designed that's what it's designed for you are a number 
You're, you're a number. You're replaceable. You're supposed to be replaceable because you have to always have that fear of being replaceable. And it's like, I don't want that for my kids. So, like, I'm really big on, like, trying to build a legacy now. And I'm just re I'm really grateful that he was able to start building his own legacy already. But, like, I'm really big on building my own my legacy and having something to really leave them that's, like, out that's, that's really tangible, not just, like, like even more so, even more so than just tangibility, like tangible and intangible, just so that they have, they know first and foremost, yo, daddy lived his dreams. Daddy did what he had to do to go live your dreams. You can live yours too. Don't give up. It's going to be hard, but fucking do it because you're going to be fucking happy. Mm -hmm. Don't go work and be a number. Don't go do this. Let's, 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 let's look at things another way. Let's solve other problems. Let's, yeah. Let's, it's, it's yeah it's just trying to be like just trying to be well-rounded with it like as the fatherhood bringing everything full circle yeah and that's one thing i really saw from my father experience you know like he he worked for like a company and they kind of did him wrong when he got hurt not at work but outside of work and and there you know he had also been there for such a long time that they were starting to cut off people so they don't have to pay like, their <laughs> social security pensions just like trying to undercut him and you know i'm but like one thing I will say, like he had such a hard work ethic, like this man worked like when he was sick, worked when he was injured, like he would not call days off. So like, you know, I'm always grateful because I got his work ethic in, instilled in mm -hmm. me. And that's the thing is like if you put like a really hard work ethic in this entrepreneurial business, whether it's music, whatever you're doing, podcasting, anything, if you have a really good work ethic, that's what you need. Like that's, exactly. that's, that's the main priority, you know? exactly it's key it's, that's that's the biggest that's honestly like the biggest thing about it keep working it like it's gonna it's gonna go just keep working it yeah can't fail unless you stop yeah now i want to go back real quick too because i remember on instagram i remember seeing you used to fight jujitsu and everything how did that come about oh yeah man so when we got back from so okay when we were in the uh in the marine corps not when i was in the marine corps, we were in bahrain i did i was doing what's called uh, dang, what do we call it? Big Map. It's called Big Map. And it's the Marine Corps Martial Arts. Okay. So uh, I did, I got as far as I could in Marine Corps Martial Arts as a Lance Corporal. I couldn't go past my green belt because you, you have to be a corporal to get your, your uh, brown and black belt to learn different techniques. So while I was out there, and I've been doing karate and martial arts my entire life. I've been doing this since like for as long as I can remember. I never really was in like a class or anything, but I would always, I watched a lot of anime. I did do karate for like a good year and a half and I would just, I just loved martial arts and fighting. And I mean, it's just what I did. So when I got, uh, when we were in Bahrain, the, we had a, a group of, um, well, first off, McMap teaches you a little bit of jujitsu. So I started rolling around, uh, practicing jujitsu and stuff off the mat for McMap with a group of my friends uh, while we were deployed. And it led from that to me getting back into doing Muay Thai. And I was like, well, shit. I had, a, I had a couple homies there who did Muay Thai. And we would go train Muay Thai and whatnot in Bahrain. And then when we came back home, uh, we had a gym. There's one gym in <laughs> – damn, that town is small. There's one gym, gym in Yuma, and it's called Yuma United. It was the only martial arts MMA gym there. They didn't, I couldn't find karate and all that stuff when I first went there or moved out there. So when I went to the gym, they had, they put on Friday night fights and they had a fight team and they had a whole MMA squad and jiu-jitsu trainers and everything. And so I talked to the owner and we started training there. Me and one of my friends, Rosnack, I started training there uh, for a little bit and we did the Friday night fight. And it was like, you know, I, I had, 
I had gotten into fights as a kid. I did martial arts. I, I knew how to fight. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I couldn't fight. I didn't be mad. I knew how to fight. I had a good basis and everything. So we fought. I won. My homeboy Rosneck was like, shoot, you're good. The coach was like, you're good. <laughs> it was like, okay, let's, let's do another fight. I was like, All right, let's, let's do it. And then yeah. there I just started, I started going to the gym more, training. I got really serious at one point. And I was doing it for, it was like for a good year. I was just training real hard. I had, I think I won, I won like three fights, lost like two fights. But one fight, um, and this one was on YouTube. I have like two fights that are on YouTube. One was my most recent one, and it's garbage. I was like 285 pounds, out of shape as fuck. Like, Man. it was garbage. But there was the one before that where uh, it was my last fight in my like amateur or before I stopped fighting for a while. And it was against the champion. Um, it was like a champion fight. And I got robbed. I got robbed of the fight. He, I knocked him out second round. Dude was out, out cold. If you go watch the video, they cut the video where he got knocked out. And so he's knocked out and they let him, they they let him, they let him come back up. Third round, he beat me. Uh. And he he didn't beat me by like tapping me out or knocking me out. He just, he just kind of out like was just moving a little bit more than me. So when the points came, he took the third round. So it was like, okay, well, I don't want to like <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> That's how I felt, dude. I was like, well, fuck it. And then uh, at the time too, and then uh, my wife had the second baby and it just ended up becoming like less and less of a priority. And I am having to stop. But like, even now, like I still do, I do karate right now. And I'm big, hella big on that. Like, that's what I teach to my family and whatnot. I just love, man, martial arts has always been, if anything, that's my foundation, like, for life. It, I remember I got it grasped onto me as a as a kid. And, like, I always loved meditation. I always loved the spirit stuff. I always loved the, just the discipline and the training and the discipline, like, everything that went along with it. And, of course, growing up, because originally I'm from, not from, but I lived in Anaheim originally when I was from one to ten. And so I was I grew up being the only black kid in class and all that stuff, every yeah. period. So when I came or not when I came to River Valley, when I was younger, I would get into fights, get picked on. And I remember I got into a fight at like nine years old because a kid called me a nigga. So like it was always like one of those things was like, okay, well I can defend myself too. I don't gotta be afraid of anybody. It, it just had so many benefits, so it really like grasped onto me. When it came time for me to really be able to fight, it was like, yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Like now, especially knowing what I know about concussions and all the shit that goes along with it, it's not something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like I just stopped. Like I won't take a professional fight. I won't take an amateur fight. But I will do a freaking. I'll do a karate tournament. Yeah. But I won't do like a like an actual like. Yeah, I don't, I don't see. I can't do it anymore now. I now it's that. like I got too much to lose. <laughs> right. Right. You gotta be a father, man. Exactly. It's it's not worth it. Yeah. No, but that is one thing I want to look more into just because I have been doing meditation and yoga like the past Bro. six months. And I was reading a really dope book saying like how martial I think you know a lot of people take even boxing, they look at martial arts or boxing as just like, oh, dudes like swinging at each other. It's like it's not, it's like there's a lot of discipline that goes to it, but a lot of spirituality a lot like of around it. you. So I've always and, you know, the martial arts are big on that. So I've always you know, That's, quarantine kind of hit at a bad time because I was like looking into different, you know, things to sign up for. But um, yeah, that, you know, once yeah, it's all over, once it's all right. over, I want to try some like either Taekwondo or something or. It will change your life just based off of like a lot of the, 
I mean, it, it, it also it, a lot of it depends on what dojo you go to too. Because if you go to a lot of the like the new age Americanized dojos, they won't give you as much as a traditional one. Like the one that we're in, we're with right now, um, he's my sensei. Sensei was the founder of uh, the Karate Association in America. So he brought it over from like uh, Japan and whatnot with all the from Okinawa with all the history of it. So that's like like the the shit that my sensei has shown me and what she's like I said I have a lot like I do a lot of studying of like spirituality and spirit science and whatnot and the stuff that martial arts teaches you and how it coincides and with our bodies and everything it's 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 amazing it's like miracles it's like dude yeah. really you can do this like you can like you you'd be amazed how much like it is. It's grounding. It's amazing. It's yeah. martial arts is like, one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, bro. That's how I feel about yoga. I was like, damn, I went like twenty four years without knowing this shit. Like, bro, <sighs> yoga is what changed my yoga. I swear to God, I attribute my weight loss to yoga because that's what that's what my back injuries what caused me to gain all the weight, and yoga is what fixed or not fixed my back injury, but was the only thing that would help solve mm -hmm. the problem. And it just started burning off the weight too. And I was like, dude, yoga's like, why where have I been? <laughs> where, yeah. where, why did we not know about this as kids? Like, what the fuck? Right? Like, like this could have been so good for football. I swear to you, I have been wondering, like, I don't know, is it just me or like after you do yoga, you just can't go back? You might oh, yeah. just don't ever feel the same. Like <laughs> Yeah. No, and I remember like, you know, I always think I'm pretty flexible. Like I, I stretch regularly even before yoga, but like I'll go to different yoga classes with my girlfriend and bro, like they got me doing some weird position and like, Oh, like my hip doesn't go that way. Like I still, oh. I see, I see people, you know, a little heavier, a little less athletic looking than me and they do it with no problem. It's like, Whoa, okay. Like yo man, yo, she can stretch. Like I'm telling you, I didn't know I can damn near put my, I can do the splits. Yeah. Do the splits. Yeah, dude. I can do the splits. Like it's, it's wild. Like it's like, I never would have thought that I would ever be able to do that. And it's, it's crazy because, like I said, I have, the, I have a, uh, a hurt disc in my back. So when I get tight, I can feel that there's a significant difference in my body than, like, when I'm tight and I'm, I haven't done yoga for a couple of days, dude, I'm grumpy. <laughs> I'm yeah. angry. It's, I, feel, I feel how I, how I feel. And it's just bad. It's, yeah. I feel that. <laughs> yoga, yoga's my shit. Mm -hmm. So transitioning to your kid, Caden Bennett, you know, I had a chance to see him and Dave, that show yeah, on yeah, FX. Yeah. That's on Hulu too, but I mean, how did you get him into acting at such a young age? Man, uh, luck of the draw, honestly, with acting, or I don't want to say with, with acting. So it was like planned, but not planned. So me and my wife both do, uh, she does photography. She's, she's a full-time photographer and I do videography and I knew, knew all about videography when I stayed in high school for the music and whatnot. So when we were living in Arizona, we would always hear that he was really good he should be in movies he should be in acting all that stuff but of course when we were out there in yuma there's there's nothing out there san diego was two and a half hours away phoenix is two and a half hours away and it's like of course you can't you can't take him to auditions we can't do anything with it so right before we got out she started him an instagram page and she wasn't really doing anything with it but she decided to start um she was doing scripts with him writing scripts like commercial scripts with him to kind of get him to get used to going over scripts and whatnot so that when he we did put him in acting he already had a foundation for going over and doing auditions and whatnot and she had did one video about 
um, touching a black man's hair about his his locks because we would. So in Arizona, with him having locks, you know, white people get handsy sometimes. So yeah. they would they would go over and they would touch his hair. Oh, I love your hair. Oh, what? Ooh. So she did a video, and the video was like, "No, Susan, you don't touch a black man's hair." The video went viral. Video freaking took off. Went viral. This is like September of like 2017. So it like it took off. Went viral. We had just started his acting career at the time. So this is like they're happening simultaneously. So at it goes viral. And he, at this time, he already had a collection of videos. He already had like six or seven videos on the page. So other videos start going viral. Dude, this boy's inbox on Instagram starts getting hit up with all these different managers, all these different people trying to get him, get in, get his hands on him. So a couple months go by. And at this time, me and Destiny are just managing him. And, you know, we're taking him to auditions and whatnot. And people start recognizing him. Finally, he gets, we find him a manager that, you know, we feel comfortable with. We meet with her. She, the whole nine yards, we get the no contract. We talk over. She, you know, we're trying to figure out how or what, what, uh, what we want to put him in, how we want to go about doing this, whatnot. At the time, I think he was five, either four or five. So at this time, there's not many auditions. We're going to audition after audition. Like for the first year, we were going to auditions left and right. And he wasn't booking anything. And most of the time it's because he was too young. So last year, this is like the year, the second year that we were in towards I think September, like September time for September to December, he starts getting booked. He's getting booked left and right. And at this point in time he's already people already know who he is as Caden Bennett on Instagram. They, they know, okay, this is this is who he is. So he's getting booked left and right for all these different auditions. He's going into auditions and people are like, oh, you're the little boy from da-da-da. Oh, da-da-da. It's just, it, it starts picking up. So Dave came out of the blue. I don't know. I can't remember how, how he got the, the gig. I honestly don't remember how he got the gig. We filmed it like September of last year, mm-hmm. I think. So it just, he, I don't know. He... He just got the gig. Like, it was one of those things where it was just like, yeah, we want him. We got him. We went on set. We did the whole nine with him. That wasn't his first big one. He'd already done, like, a he's done a, a couple short films already and a couple commercials. But, like, this is, like, the first one where people, like, it hit. Dave hit at the perfect time because mm-hmm. everyone's home. So right. everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. And now, now he, once again, he's blowing up again. And it's just his his acting career is – it's it's interesting because I keep trying to tell Destiny that you know he he has an acting career he he does, but his Instagram career is more popular. Mm. His Instagram career brings in more money. Damn, that's crazy, man. It's his, he when we do ads or when he's doing ads, he's getting paid a couple thousand for the ads. Like every like, I I, I try to think. Oh, we we we've had the conversation. Like if if Kaden really didn't, if he wasn't a kid. And he wanted to go and didn't want to go, like, do different places and whatnot. Like, he, he has a, a Coogan account, which is, like, an account where they put money aside from every gig that he gets from acting. Mm-hmm. He already has a nice chunk of change in there. Damn. The chunk of change that he was getting from doing, like, Instagram and stuff, the, the pieces that they come in, they, they come in, like, few and far between. But he'll get an ad, and it'll be, like, $3,500. And all we're doing is one video. That's a minute. Versus the $3,500 he's getting for the two days on acting. Yeah. So it's like, and I, I tell Destiny all the time, I'm like, man, it's one of those things where I'm about to, you know, 
we we about to be gone doing our own thing. And if you really want my son in your in your thing, you want to call and talk money. <laughs> right. So, like, That's crazy it, though. Cause like in high school, I mean, Instagram wasn't even really a thing when we were in high school still. Bro, you see it just go go that far up. I I still remember when Instagram started. Like yeah. it's like it's but that at the same time though, that's that's also the the danger with it too, and why I keep telling Destiny, I'm like, we need to get off of Instagram. It's time to get him off. We're we're in the process of setting up our own site and whatnot to have our own streaming because it's it's too it's too volatile. You have all yeah. this all this stock in one area, but what happens when Instagram goes away? Right. It's like, well, shit, we got to start over. It's like, you don't have, it, it's like, it's it's quick money. And that's that's the only thing with it. It's not something that you can do. You can make it long-term, but mm-hmm. you got to you gotta have a long-term vision to do it and look at it as a stepping stone. Because mm-hmm. like, I remember, like, as soon as they took likes away, or when they were thinking about taking likes away, people were freaking out. People yeah. were like, I'm about to lose my business. It's about, like, it's yeah. going downhill. It's like, well, bro, that's not, can't be thinking, you have to think about, you know, you got to do some other things with it. Yeah, you got to expand. But, you know, just going back to his acting career and Dave, at least that was, like, one of the funniest things, like, I've ever seen in a TV show. Like, the whole wooden T-shirt idea. I was like, bro, what? And then they actually uh, put it on and he fell. And I was like, yo. So, I wasn't even there for the freaking – I was there for the studio scene. And when he first walked in, I wasn't there to record or to see him film with the freaking – the fall. But apparently – this is what Desmond was telling me. When he fell on – like, when he actually fell, he, he – uh, he couldn't really get up. Like, he really couldn't get up. So that whole, like, can you get up and helping him up scene was, like, extra. Like, that was just my son. Like, I can't get up. I can't do anything. Help me. Like, it was, it's, I don't know, it's so wild. We were not expecting scene. When we saw him come in on the, the two, what was it, the the first room with Els and Trippy? Yeah. Bro, we were like, oh, shit, that's Katie. Like, I remember that room. I was in that room. Oh, shit. That's, oh, shit. Like, it, it, it's just, it's mind-blowing, like, seeing him we, we've seen a lot of his, not a lot of his projects, but, like, the other projects that we've seen weren't really on. His commercial we saw, it was cool. And the two um, short films, they were small. So seeing, like, this, like, with him, or he had one other part on Shameless, too, but that part was small because he didn't make the uh, director's cut. But mm-hmm. seeing him now with this, with such, like, a main role, because, like, they didn't even, they also didn't let us know that either, that the fucking whole, the, the whole, like, the episode was good, but the funniest part was Caden's part. And, like, yeah. I don't, I'm not even being biased about it. Like, I was, like, we were trying to figure out, like, is it just us or was this really, like, the main funny part? Because there was nothing else that really happened in the episode. Right. So, it's like, dude, we weren't even expecting that. Like, it's just, it was trippy watching it and just seeing the reaction from it. I was like, dude, this shit is hilarious. Like, this is such a good job with this part. Like, it's awesome. It's, it's fucking, I can't wait to see what he, what happens now that he, this has happened. Mm-hmm. Because he's already... He, the thing about with like about Hollywood is that you can't it won't go on your your record that you've been on Dave until an episode has dropped. Mm. So now that the episode has dropped, now it's on his IMDb. Now people can see, oh, he's been on Dave too. So now I'm waiting to see what's you know what's your 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 every time you add something to your resume, your price goes up. You're, you're, you're getting more, you're getting more auditions, you're getting booked more often, you become more valuable. So I just want to see what, like, what kind of value he's gonna get from this. Damn, like that's that's what I man, I can't wait to see. And then that, and then this dude, this kid's got this kid has residual checks. This kid has residual checks that are coming in already. 
Like, he's gotten, like, $600 worth of residual checks and has bought – I think he paid for his trip to the Great Wolf Lodge off residual checks. Wow. Like, it, like, oh. like, wow, man. He has a bright future, um, man. He has a bright future. In, hey, in, a few, in a few years, I got to have him on the show once he's old enough, bro. Bro, I'm telling you, look, look, put him on. He'll talk your head off. Put him on now, he'll talk your head off. Shoot, All right. something else. That's so my man, though. So with, with you in the podcast or your son acting, what are some other goals that you have for the year of 2020? Oh, man, I have, I have several. I have, man, I have a lot of goals. We just got a slack line um, in the backyard that we've been playing around with, and I can finally walk on that. So one of my goals is to freaking be able to – I want to be able to um, walk back and forward on that. My son is – or Cash, the middle one, we're doing homeschooling with him. So I got – a bunch of homeschooling goals, learning goals that we got set with him that we want him to be on. We're trying to, a lot of it is just, a lot of my goals, honestly, now I think about it, are a lot of fatherhood goals. Like, I want, mm. I want, and a lot of family goals. I, I have, like, a, we've been putting together, or we've been talking about estate building. So we're looking at right now, really trying to start this year, I guess, doing some what we call grown-up stuff. <laughs> looking at really getting our investments together, our assets together, getting our debt wiped away, getting our credit looking nice, pristine. That's that's honestly what like the end of our tw- or what our twenty twenty is looking like. That's that's what we've had as goals. That and then I want to get my black belt. I want to put out. I want to put out two more seasons of Father to Father. I want us to get to about five thousand followers by the end of the year. And then I want to put out a mixtape. Me and my friends have been working on music again. And so I want to put out some music stuff. So going to that. That and then I had – I don't even know if this goal is going to be – if I'm going to keep this goal now because I wanted to do more public speaking events. And we just got a venue that we were doing uh, – we're going to start throwing events at. But now I'm like, damn, man, this whole coronavirus has fucked everything up. I don't know how people are going to feel about being in areas with other people. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be – it's going to be public speaking like this, bro. Like you're going to be yeah. talking about Zoom meetings or something, like, you know, virtual. Exactly. Hey, dude. If it is, and that's that's honestly where I think I might be changing some of my some of my goals to start doing more videos. I really want to start doing more. I want to get now that I've like now that I've like lost all the weight and I look good again. I feel like I look good again. I got my confidence back. I want to really put myself out there and not not put myself out there, but I want to be able to to really make an impact and help other fathers get to where I'm at. Because like even with right now, like this whole coronavirus thing has shown me. I've been hearing left and right from moms and from dads about how, first off, they don't know how to handle their children. Their children is wild. They, like, it's, the dads aren't helping as much because dad don't know what he's doing. Yeah. I'm a stay-at-home dad now. I don't know what's going on. People are, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's like, I want to really be able to help impact that, especially this year, because I've been through it. I already went through it. I know, like, it's, it's funny because I keep telling my wife, I'm like, you know, we have a pandemic going on, but this is the happiest and most secure I've ever felt in my life. Dang, that's good. And I'm like, that's fucking wild. <laughs> but I'm like, that's fucking wild, like, That's wild as fuck. Like, like, I should not feel as good as I feel. And, like, part of me feels – I don't feel guilty, but I'm just like, man, like, if I feel good during this and this is, this is what's going all, – all, all signs right now are pointing to we're doing what's right. So mm-hmm. what the fuck, like, like – I'm just like I feel like I feel like Tyson, and I'm just I'm just I'm on the warm up. I feel like I'm on the warm up. Like like I'm hitting the mitts and the fight's coming up. I'm ready to go out there and just yeah 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 yeah. Like <laughs> there you go. 
Well, just before we end the show, I'd like to ask a couple fun, quick hitters. If you could have any topping on a pizza, what would it be? Oh, man. Yo, bell peppers. Bell peppers? Just bell peppers? Just bell peppers. All right. I love peppers. I don't know why. they're, They're fire. They're fire on pizza. Okay. If you can go to any era in history, time or place, where would you want to go visit? Ooh, man. I want to go visit 17 I, – I, not 17, I'm sorry. Uh, around, like, early – either, like, 1,053 to, like, 1,200 uh, B.C. Just because I know – I've been – like I said, I've been doing a lot of, of studying on, like, the Moorish Empire and how America came to form and how all this – all this bullshit works and I would love to go back and really meet with the minds and see some of the minds that started shaping history and just I I, I love history. So yeah, I'll say that Aaron. I'll okay. say I'll say the Spanish the Spanish Moors rule Aaron. All right, right on. If you could talk to any person or people, multiple people dead or alive, who would you want to talk to? Oh man, I want to talk to I want to talk to a man named Johnny Venus. Well actually there it's a group called Earth Gang. They're like my favorite freaking rap group right now. Oh yeah, yeah, I know Earth Gang is. Okay, yeah. So I wanna have dude, I wanna have a whole conversation with Earth Gang about some of that shit. It's just fire. Uh them and Malcolm X. Oh Malcolm yeah. X and uh and Sitting Bull. Sitting Bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and you know, and Harriet Tell me, damn, there's a lot of people. Shit, I, mean, I know, right? Yeah. Dead or alive. But I I feel like you and I are similar as like that. We would we, we're always seeking knowledge, you know what I mean? We're always looking for, like, other people's perspective. And, like, those are all good picks, man. Yeah, that's that's, that's all. That's, that's what I feel this life is about. And, and, no, like, for real, I feel like, I don't know, I, it's, you're one of those people where it's, like, what do they call it? Kindred spirit, kindred souls. Yeah. Like, our, it's, it's crazy how our paths crossed so long ago. So <laughs> long ago. Now we're talking again. Like, that was wild. When I saw you doing the mic, my mic and I, I was like, yo, Noah? I had to double check. I was like, Noah Alvarez? <laughs> Noah? Like, <laughs> Noah? I know, bro. It feels like a long time ago. Hearing you talk, man, it felt like decades ago. Man, I'm like, that's crazy. Like, we, yeah, we go way back. Like, that's wild. Bro, honestly, I still remember that. Like, I, like you said, it was your stepfather walking you to Villa Park, and you had the blue do rag. Yeah, uh, I still remember like that first time you came. Coach Ansich introduced you. I was like, oh, like this is Devonte, you know, like this the guy, and you know, like it was like I think you knew my friend like Vince and like yeah, our crew. It, it, Exactly. No, it, it, that's what it was. It was like your crew. I think it was your crew was the only one. Because who was it? Who was it? Tory. That's all I remember is his name is Tory. That was the asshole and him and his group. The white, bald head, skinhead. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I forgot <laughs> about them. Those seniors and juniors. Yeah, those assholes. That's all I remember is them assholes. I was like, I remember I got along with your group. It was like, you guys were cool. And then the Tafunas and Dean and them. You guys were my group. That's who yeah. it was we fucked with. And then you had them assholes. <laughs> yeah. Bro, just speaking of him, too, I remember he drove that big Bronco with the fucking yeah, flag in the back, bro, like, on some ignorant shit. I was like, yo, what the fuck? That's what I'm saying. Like, I've been, like, it's, like, it's, like, little shit like that that I look back at and, like, I realize all the shit that I've been going through in my life, especially as of recently, it's like, mm-hmm. dude, it's all a repeat. Like, like I, I don't know. When I got to the Marine Corps and I started dealing with racism, I was like, okay. But y'all doing the same dumbass like I they used I used to literally have full on conversations with people about how ignorant they were and stupid because I could prove them wrong because I was like, dude, I've been proving people wrong since I was like nine. Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't want to deal with this shit. Like it's uh, it's crazy. It's wild how history just how yeah. work how life works, man. It's wild. It's mm-hmm. Wild. 
All right, so last one. What's some advice that you give to your younger self? Oh, man. Man. Honestly, the best thing, two things. One thing, invest in Bitcoin, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you should have did that. And, man, keep your head up because you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like, yeah, it's going to be okay. It. It, was, it got dark there for a long ass time and I really did not think it would be okay. But man, mm -hmm. was I wrong? <laughs> was I wrong? <laughs> well, man, this has been a pleasure. Really appreciate you again for hopping on the show and, you know, hey, best man, of luck man. to you in the future. Hey, man, you too, man. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Of course. Boom, Noah Alvarez back in action to wrap things up here on episode 102 of the My Mike and I podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Wherever you're tuning in from, a reminder, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, as well as the, uh, I think I hit everything, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spreaker. I don't know that's a thing, too. <laughs> but you get the point. It's podcast available on all platforms. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, really encourage you guys to leave a rating or review. It could be very simple. It could just be a simple five-star, hey, I like the podcast, or it could be very in-depth. I've gotten a lot of in-depth po uh, podcast reviews, too, on Apple, which is always fun to see. So be sure to keep leaving those. Be sure to follow them on Mike and I Instagram page, at my period Mike and period I. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Noah Alvarez. And if you are into fitness, really quick, I forgot to plug this in the intro, Phoenix Fit, M-F-N-X-F-I-T.com. I have a promo code. Use at, or not at, my Mike and I with the letter N, so my Mike, the letter N I, for 15% off the entire website. They have a really good, um, a lot of good supplement products. They also have some athletic gear too if you're into the fitness life and you want to get your workout on. But also too, a big thing why I partnered with them, man. Every purchase you make, they donate a gallon of water to people in need across the uh, across not the country, across the world. It could be in the country, but it also be international too. So shout out to Phoenix Fit for changing the world one purchase at a time, donating a gallon of water to people of need across the world. That being said, that's gonna wrap up this week's show, episode 102. In the books, thanks for tuning in to the conversation between Devante and I. I'm Noah Alvarez, the host of the Mama Mike and I podcast. Signing off. Till next time. <laughs>